Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in the Ivy League, a look inside the ancient eight teams in the Ivy League and their upcoming games with all of the stats, trends, and analysis that you want to hear. And now, here's your host, Tom Barton. Harvard's music. Oh, yes, it's the Undertaker's music, but it may as well be the Harvard Crimson. Oh, we are going to get into that today. Welcome to another episode of Believe in the Ivy League. And I thought I'd play a little Undertaker music for the Harvard Crimson because for the last two weeks, I have pronounced this team dead. They're done. They can't come back. They played close games, but they just couldn't scratch and claw. The dominoes fell right. They wound up getting themselves right back into it this week. And I got to tell you, it is like the Undertaker sitting up. You can't kill this team. And now they're right here, right back into the fray. All right, guys, we are going to get into it today. I am pumped up, as you can hear in my voice. It's really kind of getting to the nitty-gritty here. And we had a really, really good week of Ivy League college basketball. Um, It's one of those weeks where, you know, the rest of the country may have been kind of consumed with whatever else they were doing. The rest of the country kind of may have just not paid attention. But people that are Ivy League fans, you guys experienced a really fantastic week of college basketball. Big-time games, lots of shuffling when you're talking about seating and uh, the situation in the standing. So this is a good week. We're going to have a nice conversation because you got to follow up a really good week with, with another important week. And as we inch closer and our calendars start to look like March is coming, well, it's right around the corner here, guys. The next time we talk, oh, it's going to be a lot of March conversation. So I'm pumped up right now. And, and it is a good situation to be in in the Ivy Leagues. I think it's been a very, very fun season in the Ivy Leagues. It's good to have them back. Uh, but now it's the home stretch. Now it's kind of get serious time. So I want to take a look at the standings before we do anything else. And guys, remember, if you want to comment, if you want to talk to me, it's TomBartonSports.com. It's Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. I do a lot of uh, a lot of tweets about things other than the Ivy Leagues, but you'll find Ivy League tweets there as well. Tom Barton Sports over at Twitter and TomBartonSports at gmail.com for all of you guys. Please tell your friends I could use the subscribers, guys, and, and you know, use different devices. Hit the subscribe button. Whatever you can do, I could use some subscribers and some listeners so let's get some ears on this by the way i'm trying to set it up that i can be live and cover the ivy league tournament i'm i wrote uh, some letters today and we're going to try to get myself out there for the ivy league tournament that should be pretty fun it's up in boston this year so my old stomping ground should be fun all right let's take a look at the conference tournament here and let's take a look at what we're looking at when we're talking about the standings well on top and we'll get into how this all unfolded on top that is yale by themselves 10 and 2 they have a half a point lead on the 9 and 2 princeton tigers Penn Quakers come in. Penn was red hot. Well, they're a game back. They're still right in this thing at nine and three. And then the big separation. Look, those three are in. We know it. It's just a matter of seeding who's going to get the one seed, who's going to get the two seed. And then you get into the lower seeds. But 
Harvard is back. Like I said, it's the Undertaker music. It is what we want to have a conversation about today. Harvard gets back into it. They are only five and six in the conference, but somehow or another, they're a half a game better than the Cornell Big Red, who are five and seven. They also have a head-to-head win this week, which we'll get into. Brown is not officially dead at four and eight. It seems like they are, but they're now Dartmouth, four and eight as well. And then Columbia has been dead since the beginning of time, it seems like. So uh, that's what we are looking at. Now, I want to go back like we normally do and take a look at the past week, see how we got to this point. And then, of course, we'll be looking at what do we have coming up on the horizon. So we had another week where it it seemed relatively slow as far as the schedule goes, but there were some big time, massive games going on. Right. Um, We didn't have the traditional exactly schedule this year, but the Friday, Saturday slate, it was pretty good this week. So Harvard comes out. And, and we'll 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 talk about Harvard first, because Harvard comes out on Friday night in a must-win game. They had to win at home. They had to win against Columbia at home. It would have been embarrassing if they didn't. And they got the win. Look, it seems a lot closer than the game actually was, right? I mean, it, the game wound up being an eight-point win, but the Harvard Crimson did exactly what the Harvard Crimson has now been doing really well, and that's playing very good defense. Now they jumped out. Uh, 35 points in the first half, which was a nice first half for them. Kirkwood put up 22, which was really what you needed from Kirkwood, who is kind of their main cog. And you look at the Harvard Crimson, you look at, okay, what did their games been? They had a lot of defensive problems. And, you know, people out there that were throwing money down, uh, betting the uh, the overs in Harvard games was just money for a long time now. Um, But then they went out there against Columbia. They held them to 54. Even in a loss, they held Yale to uh, 62. They held Yale to 59. They held Brown to only 50. I mean, their defense had been working pretty well. So you get out of here with a win. It's a win that Harvard needed to have, but the the, the opening of them maybe getting back into it still looked a little slim as of Friday. Like I said, for the last couple of weeks, I've already pronounced them dead. Well, here's why they had a little bit of an opening. Cornell lost on the road to Dartmouth. And it's funny because one of our, our better listeners wrote me and you know we, we communicate all the time and he said, you know, I, why 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 is uh, the line makers making this so short? I, I love Cornell. And I said, you know, the only thing with Dartmouth is they play close games, you know, and Dartmouth scared me as somebody that if they sneak into this tournament, they can really be a thorn in people's sides. And I look at their schedule at the end of the year and I'm going, they could be a thorn in people's sides. Coming into that Cornell game, now they got humiliated by Princeton the week before, which I told you, I actually had the over. They they needed to score like, you know, basically 50 points and they only put up 40. Before that, though, they lost by one bucket to Brown. They lost by a bucket to Yale. They lost by four points to Princeton. They lost by one point to Harvard. I mean, they were in all these games. You know, one basket goes one way or the other. One rebound goes the other way. And Dartmouth would be right in the thick of things. Dartmouth, you could argue, over the course of the season, has had a better season than both Cornell and Harvard. I mean, when you're talking about Ivy League play, they're right there. They're right there. So this wasn't a shocking loss, but all of a sudden it opened up the window for what Harvard could possibly do, which we'll get into. 
Princeton wound up taking care of Brown, absolutely you know, spanking them 69 to 50 in a game where Princeton felt like they needed to win. They wound up going off. You know, Brown couldn't get anything done. They just couldn't get anything uh, working whatsoever. Um, Princeton had uh, quite a few guys in double digits. Uh, Chose 18, 10, and 2. That was fa- fantastic. And then you had the highlight game on Friday, which was Yale against Penn. This game was, you know, even even when if you guys are sports betters out there, the lines makers had it, you know, a basket kind of game. And I think it wound up going off at like four. Yale goes in to this game in a position where we can kind of take control of the conference, but we have to beat a red hot Pennsylvania team. And Penn was exactly that, absolutely red hot. But they just were no match for what Yale could put up. They put up 81 points. This game was a four-point game at the half. It wound up being tied most of the second half, and Yale turned it on at the second half, 45 points. They absolutely just went nuts afterwards, 81-72 win, which is a convincing win, right? Uh, Gabadon, 32 points for Yale, absolutely explosive. So Yale takes, uh, you know, Yale takes a, 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 a big leap up in my mind there. That really was something that they needed to do. Then they come back the next night, and I we talked about it last week. If Yale had a big week, they could be standing in the standings alone. They could really just put a cement hold on this conference. Well, Yale has a Princeton Tigers at home. Yale at home turns around after putting up 81. They allowed 81, and they couldn't get the back-to-back home wins. They couldn't go back-to-back in a spot where they're getting Princeton and Yale back-to-back. They weren't able to do it. So, they lose 81-75. Princeton goes in. They get that much-needed win, which keeps this conference in play. If Yale would have won that game, you look at that, Yale would have really had like a two-point lead, uh, a two-game lead here with only a couple to play. I think they win the conference just by default if they had gotten that win. But Princeton survives. Give Princeton plenty of credit to go in there, go into a hostile environment the night after a night. Now, Yale, look, you look at the schedule and you go, look, they had two tough games in a row. They did, but they had them both at home. So this was a tough game. Penn rebounds barely. They barely rebounded. This team that was red hot, they go in to Brown, and they win 89-88. They needed a late second half surge. They were down seven at the half. They needed a huge late second half surge to get the win, but they get a a, a tough road one-point win. So as big as the Yale-Penn game wound up being on, on Friday night, and it was massive, Penn wound up going one and one this weekend. Yale went up going one and one this weekend. So, you know, it, it is a little bit interesting that uh, such a, a high quality game was not followed up really with what we kind of expected on the back end with Yale. And Penn was able to squeak out that victory, which was such a much needed victory to keep them within the standings, which we talked about. Dartmouth, who I said, you know, is a better team than we're expecting, humiliated Columbia, 79 to 50. Columbia just can't get out of their own way. We know that. But Dartmouth really, you know, stepping up their game and playing well, 2-0 weekend, kind of keeping their faint hopes alive. And I talked about it. The Harvard Crimson pulls an undertaker, a dead man, a decade of dominance, dead man. Noah Kirkwood, 31 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists in a absolute big-time must-have win against the Cornell Big Red. Harvard wins 77 to 72. They are now both 13 and 10, except Harvard has one less loss in conference. So they're a half a game up for that final spot for the Ivy League Conference Tournament. What a massive win by them. 
Now you go to Tuesday night. We did have one Tuesday night game, and that, again, was Yale against Dartmouth. That Dartmouth team that I said was tough, it was it was right there. And, it, you know, this is a three, three-and-a-half-point game, according to the Lions makers, wound up being a five-point game. You could see they're starting to, people are starting to realize that Dartmouth is a better team than people give them credit for. But Yale comes out on top. And Yale, look, Yale's winning these games with grit. And you could talk about the same thing with Penn. They're winning it with grit, and they're winning it with guile, and they, they're getting past. It doesn't matter. As long as you get past it, it doesn't matter, right? You've got to go out there and win the game, and here we are. All right, so that was last week. And with all the good hopes, you feel like, all right, you know what? Yale comes out there two and one. If they would have went three and zero, oh, this division, this conference would have been over. But uh, they go, they go two and one. I think they'll take it, right? Uh, Princeton gets a much needed win on the road. I think they'll take it. You look at Penn. Penn, uh, they couldn't quite beat Yale, but one and one, I think they'll take it. Harvard would certainly take it. Cornell, not feeling too good about themselves. Dartmouth would take what they just got. So a lot of teams feeling good about themselves. I think Cornell's the only one kind of a little bit beyond the eight ball. But let's take a look at this upcoming schedule because I think they're going to start feeling a little bit better about themselves. On Friday night, we only got one game on Friday. Harvard travels to Princeton. And here we go where we're talking about, you know, it's it's the dead man, it's the undertaker, all that. It's going to be fun to have a conversation about. I'm going to title this podcast, you know, the, the dead man rises kind of uh, something uh, fancy like that. But Harvard might be slapped right back down because you're going into a place where Princeton is gunning for a conference title. Princeton has no room for error here now that they have a lot of pressure on them. And now they get a back to back, basically, uh, against Harvard. You're going to get this Friday night game. They are at home, and the last time they were at home, they beat Dartmouth, a decent Dartmouth team, by 45 points. 45 points, guys. They are scoring pretty nicely. They've scored 80 or more points in uh, four of the last five games, but there is that level of defensive worry. Yeah, you held Brown to 50 and Dartmouth to 40. Yeah, sure. But Cornell put up 88 and a loss on you. Yale put up 80 and a loss on you. Dartmouth put up 80 before that and a loss on you. Yale put up 75. So, you know, this is kind of a contrasting style. Harvard is now starting to play a, a lot better defense. And Princeton is kind of going to want to run with you. You look at Kirkwood and you say, he's got to be that guy. Now, does he need to put up 32, which he did? No. Uh, but you've got to be able to go out there and do something impressive this week if you are the Harvard Crimson in this game. Now I'm going to jump ahead and skip Saturday to Sunday. Cause we only have one game on Sunday and it's Princeton against Harvard. So I wanted to talk about these two back to back. This is in Cambridge. Okay. Here's the situation. The last time Harvard had a back to back or as close to a back to back as you could have two games in a row against the same opponent, which was a first place opponent, which was a really good team. It was Yale. They lost those two games by a bucket each. They were within a shot each. If you were to split those games, you'd have a game advantage here, a game and a half advantage over Cornell going into the final week. You look at that and you go, that was massive. You cannot, if you're Harvard, drop two games. Not when you're flying high and you're feeling good about yourself. You got to steal one of these two. And if you steal Friday, oh my goodness, it's gravy. But if you lose Friday, all the pressure is going to be on Harvard on Sunday. And so far this year, what I've seen in Harvard is that they can play real tight and they elevate their game. But I haven't seen them be able to close it out, right? I haven't seen, seen them be the closer, which they're going to need to be. All right, on Saturday, Brown against Columbia. Gotta love Brown all day long. That's a game where, um, you know, Brown is coming off of, uh, you know, a 
Brown, Brown is an interesting team because Brown, early in the season, I said, I don't really buy into them, but they're a fun team. Brown's coming off of a game where I think they feel like they needed to win that game. They had Penn at home. It's a one-point loss. This is a spot, though. It's the last game for seniors. I think Brown knows that they're not getting into the Ivy League tournament. It's the last home game for some seniors. Seniors that, let's be honest, you know, even if it's it's not seniors, um, it's something special now with COVID and everything else that came into play, especially in the Ivy Leagues. It's something special to play in front of this crowd in this spot. I love Brown all day long. I, I, I'm sorry, Columbia. I think you're in for a really, really, really devastating loss here. Uh, this could be another embarrassment. Dartmouth takes on Penn. Here we go. I've been talking about Dartmouth being that feisty team. Penn needing this win. It is in New Hampshire. This is a tough game for Penn, who barely... They, Penn just came off of a, a week where they lost to Yale, then they barely beat Brown. Now they got to go to a, an upstart in Dartmouth. Their defense has not looked good, but their offense has looked very good. You want this to be a high-scoring game if you're Penn. And this is an important game for Penn, but but I think it's an important game for Dartmouth to kind of hold on to that hope. Maybe, maybe, you never know, right? You never know. And we once we get in, you, you never kind of know because they do get Harvard the last game at Harvard. So if Harvard's kind of in control, things can happen. Penn, I think, needs the game more. Dartmouth's been tough. I'm looking for some scoring in that game. And then the big game of the weekend is Yale against Cornell because I think basically Yale could end Cornell's season. Um, when you look at the schedule, Yale is still going to be gunning for the number one seed. Cornell can't really afford a loss, especially if Harvard goes out there and wins on Friday night. If if Harvard goes out there and wins on Friday night, uh, they will be a game and a half on top of, well, there'll be a full game you know, on top of Yale, uh, on top of Cornell, I'm sorry. Cornell's now lost three in a row. They've lost four or five. They only have two games left. Now, they'll win that last game against Columbia, but this could be the end of Cornell. But Cornell is at home, right? I mean, that is the one caveat you could look at. Cornell is at home. They tend to step up at home. They certainly can step up at home. And this could be a spot where you look at, at Cornell and you go, yeah, this could be your spot um, for something good to, to kind of save your season per se. So, guys, I mean, that's it. Look, it has been a, a, you know, a fun regular season that's seemingly coming to an end next time we talk. Talking about one game left. It should be an interesting weekend. This is all eyes on Harvard again. All eyes, should we call it? All eyes on the dead man again. Did they save their season? Did they do it? I think we're going to find out this weekend. Even though he might have sat up, doesn't mean he's always going to win. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. It is the Ivy League podcast. Make sure you guys listen in next week. Check me out over at TomBartonSports.com. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.